Chapter Two of The Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. We've seen changes, Mr. Murchison. Ay, we've seen changes. Dr. Drummond and Mr. Murchison stood together in the store door, over which the sign, John Murchison Hardware, had explained thirty years of varying commercial fortune they had pretty well begun life together in elgin john murchison was one of those who had listened to mr drummond's trial sermon and had given his vote to call him to the charge since then there had been few sundays when morning and evening mr murchison had not been in his place at the top of his pew where his dignified and intelligent head appeared with the isolated significance of a strong individuality people looked twice at john murchison in a crowd so did his own children at home hearing some discussion of the selection of a premier alec looking earnestly at him once said why don't they tell father to be it the young minister looked twice at him that morning of the trial sermon and asked afterward who he was a scotchman mr drummond was told not very long from the old country who had bought the playfair business on main street and settled in the plumber place which already had a quarter of a century standing in the annals of the town the playfair business was a respectable business to buy the plumber place though it stood in an unfashionable outskirt was a respectable place to settle in and the minister in casting his lot in elgin envisaged john murchison as part of it thought of him confidently as a dependence saw him among the future elders and office-bearers of the congregation a man who would be punctual with his pew-rent sage in his judgments and whose views upon church attendance would be extended to his family so the two came contemporaries to add their labor and their lives to the building of this little outpost of empire it was the frankest transfer without thought of return they were there to spend and be spent within the circumference of the spot they had chosen with no ambition beyond in the course of nature even their bones and their memories would enter into the fabric the new country filled their eyes the new town was their opportunity its destiny their fate they were altogether occupied with its affairs and the affairs of the growing dominion yet obscure in the heart of each of them ran the undercurrent of the old allegiance they had gone the length of their tether but the tether was always there thus before a congregation that always stood in the early days had the minister every sunday morning for thirty years besought the almighty with ardor and humility on behalf of the royal family it came in the long prayer about the middle not in the perfunctory words of a ritual but in the language of his choice which varied according to what he believed to be the spiritual needs of the reigning house and was at one period touching certain of its members though respectful extremely candid the general assembly of the church of scotland now in session also was it ever forgotten once and even the prime minister and those who sit in council with him with just a hint of extra commendation if it happened to be mr gladstone 
the minister of knox church elgin ontario canada kept his eye on them all remote as he was and concerned with affairs of which they could know little his sphere of duty could never revolve too far westward to embrace them nor could his influence under any circumstances cease to be at their disposal it was noted by some that after mr drummond had got his d d from an american university he also prayed occasionally for the president of the neighboring republic but this was rebutted by others who pointed out that it happened only on the occurrence of assassinations and held it reasonable enough the cavillers mostly belonged to the congregation of st andrews established a glum old-fashioned lot indeed who now and then dropped in of a sunday evening to hear mr drummond preach there wasn't much to be said for the preaching at st andrews the established folk went on calling the minister of knox church mr drummond long after he was doctor to his own congregation on account of what they chose to consider the dubious source of the dignity but the knox church people had their own theory to explain this hypercriticism and would promptly turn the conversation to the merits of the sermon twenty-five years it was in point this monday morning when the doctor not being established we need not hesitate besides by this time nobody did stood with mr murchison in the store door and talked about having seen changes he had preached his anniversary sermon the night before to a full church when laying his hand upon his people's heart he had himself to repress tears he was aware of another strand completed in their mutual bond the sermon had been a moral an emotional and an oratorical success and in the expansion of the following morning dr drummond had remembered that he had promised his housekeeper a new gas cooking range and that it was high time he should drop into murchison's to inquire about it mrs forsyth had mentioned at breakfast that they had ranges with exactly the improvement she wanted at thompson's but the minister was deaf to the hint thompson was a congregationalist and improvement or no improvement it wasn't likely that dr drummond was going outside the congregation for anything he required it would have been on a par with a wandering tendency in his flock upon which he systematically frowned he was as great an autocrat in this as the rector of any country parish in england undermined by dissent but his sense of obligation worked unfailingly both ways john murchison had not said much about the sermon it wasn't his way and dr drummond knew it you gave us a good sermon last night doctor not much more than that and i noticed the milburns there we don't often get episcopalians and again the wilcoxes thomas wilcox wholesale grocer was the chief prop of st andrews were sitting just in front of us we overtook them going home and wilcox explained how much they liked the music glad to see you i said glad to see you for any reason mr murchison's eye twinkled but they had a great deal to say about the music it was not an effusive form of felicitation the minister would have liked it less if it had been 
felt less justified perhaps in remembering about the range on that particular morning as it was he was able to take it with perfect dignity and good humour and to enjoy the point against the wilcoxes with that laugh of his that did everybody good to hear so hearty it was so rich in the grain of the voice so full of the zest and flavour of the joke the range had been selected and their talk of changes had begun with it mr murchison pointing out the new idea in the boiler and dr drummond remembering his first kitchen stove that burned wood and stood on its four legs with nothing behind but the stove-pipe and if you wanted a boiler you took off the front lids and put it on and how remarkable even that had seemed to his eyes fresh from the conservative kitchen notions of the old country he had come unhappily a widower to the domestic improvements on the other side of the atlantic often i used to think he said to mr murchison if my poor wife could have seen that stove how delighted she would have been but i doubt this would have been too much for her altogether that stove answered mr murchison well i remember it i sold it myself to your predecessor mr wishart for thirty dollars the last purchase he ever made poor man it was great business for me i had only two others in the store like it one of them old milburn bought the father of this man do you mind him the other stayed by me a matter of seven years i carried a light stock in those days it was no longer a light stock the two men involuntarily glanced round them for the satisfaction of the contrast murchison evoked though neither of them from motives of vague delicacy felt inclined to dwell upon it john murchison had the shyness of an artist in his commercial success and the minister possibly felt that his relation toward the prosperity of a member had in some degree the embarrassment of a tax-gatherer's the stock was indeed heavy now you had to go upstairs to see the ranges where they stood in rows and every one of them bore somewhere upon it in raised black letters john murchison's name through the windows came the iterating ring on the iron from the foundry in chestnut street which fed the shop with an overflow that found its way from one end of the country to the other finicking visitors to elgin found this wearing but to john murchison it was the music that honors the conqueror of circumstances the ground floor was given up to the small wares of the business chiefly imported two or three young men steady and knowledgeable-looking moved about in their shirt-sleeves among shelves and packing-cases one of them was our friend alec our other friend oliver looked after the books at the foundry their father did everything deliberately but presently in his own good time his commercial letter-paper would be headed with regard to these two john murchison and sons it had long announced that the business was wholesale and retail dr drummond and mr murchison considering the changes in elgin from the store door did it at their leisure the merchant with his thumbs thrust comfortably in the armholes of his waistcoat the minister with that familiar trick of his balancing on one foot and suddenly throwing his slight weight forward on the other 
a bundle of nerves people called the doctor to stand still would have been a penance to him even as he swayed backward and forward in talking his hand must be busy at the seals on his watch-chain and his shrewd glance travelling over a dozen things you would never dream so clever a man would take notice of it was a prospect of moderate commercial activity they looked out upon a street of mellow shop-fronts on both sides of varying height and importance wearing that air of marking a period a definite stop in growth that so often coexists with quite a reasonable degree of activity and independence in colonial towns one could almost say standing there in the door at murchison's where the line of legitimate enterprise had been overpassed and where its intention had been none too sanguine on the one hand in the faded and pretentious red-brick building with the false third story occupied by cleary which must have been let at a loss to dry goods or anything else on the other hand in the solid gregory block opposite the market where rents were as certain as the dividends of the bank of british north america main street expressed the idea that for the purpose of growing and doing business it had always found the days long enough drays passed through it to the grand trunk station but they passed one at a time a certain number of people went up and down about their affairs but they were never in a hurry a street-car jogged by every ten minutes or so but nobody ran after it there was a decent procedure and it was felt that bowfield he was dry goods too in putting in an elevator was just a little unnecessarily in advance of the times bowfield had only two stories like everybody else and a very easy staircase up which people often declared they preferred to walk rather than wait in the elevator for a young man to finish serving and work it these of course were the sophisticated people of elgin country folk on a market-day would wait a quarter of an hour for the young man and think nothing of it and i imagine bowfield found his account in the elevator though he did complain sometimes that such persons went up and down on frivolous pretexts or to amuse the baby as a matter of fact elgin had begun as the centre of trading for the farmers of fox county and had soon oversupplied that limit in demand so that when other interests added themselves to the activity of the town there was still plenty of room for the business they brought main street was really therefore not a fair index nobody in elgin would have admitted it its appearance and demeanour would never have suggested that it was now the chief artery of a thriving manufacturing town with a collegiate institute eleven churches two newspapers and an asylum for the deaf and dumb to say nothing of a fire department unsurpassed for organization and achievement in the province of ontario only at twelve noon it might be partly realized when the prolonged toots of seven factory whistles at once let off so to speak the hour elgin liked the demonstration it was held to be cheerful and unmistakable an indication of go-ahead proclivities which spoke for itself 
it occurred while yet dr drummond and mr murchison stood together in the store door i must be getting on said the minister looking at his watch and what news have you of lorne well he seems to have got through all right what you've heard already then he telegraphed from toronto on saturday night mr murchison stroked his chin the better to retain his satisfaction waste of money the post would have brought it this morning but it pleased his mother yes he's through his law school's examination and at the top too as far as i can make out dear me and you never mentioned it dr drummond spoke with the resigned impatience of a familiar grievance it was certainly a trying characteristic of john murchison that he never cared about communicating anything that might seem to ask for congratulation well well i'm very glad to hear it it slipped my mind said mr murchison yes he's full-fledged barrister and solicitor now he can plead your case or draw you up a deed with the best of them lorne's made a fair record so far we've no reason to be ashamed of him that you have not personal sentiments between these two scotchmen were indicated rather than indulged he's going in with folk and warner i suppose you've got that fixed up pretty well old man warner was in this morning to talk it over he says they look to lorne to bring them in touch with the new generation it's a pity he lost that son of his oh a great pity but since they had to go outside the firm they couldn't have done better they couldn't have done better i hope lorne will bring them a bit of knox church business too there's no reason why bob mackintosh should have it all they'll be glad to see him back at the hampton debating society he's a great light there is lorne and the young liberals i hear are wanting him for chairman this year there's some talk of it but time enough time enough for that he'll do first-rate if he gets the law to practice let alone the making of it maybe so he's young yet well good morning to you i'll just step over the way to the express office and get a proof out of them of that sermon of mine i noticed their reporter fellow what's his name rollins with his pencil out last night and i've no faith in rollins better cast an eye over it responded mr murchison cordially and stood for a moment or two longer in the door watching the crisp significant little figure of the minister as he stepped briskly over the crossing to the newspaper office there dr drummond sat down before he explained his errand and wrote a paragraph we are pleased to learn it ran that mr lorne murchison eldest son of mr john murchison of this town has passed at the capital of the province his final examination in law distinguishing himself by coming out at the top of the list it will be remembered that mr murchison upon entering the law schools also carried off a valuable scholarship we are glad to be able to announce that mr murchison jr will embark upon his profession in his native town where he will enter the well-known firm of folk and warner the editor mr horace williams had gone to dinner and rollins was out so dr drummond had to leave it with the press foreman 
mr williams read it appreciatively on his return and sent it down with the following addition this is doing it as well as it can be done elgin congratulates mr l murchison upon having produced these results and herself upon having produced mr l murchison End of chapter 2